0: For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Thank you, Mele. Please uh, go ahead and have a seat now. We'll do that from time to time. Get our blood moving, stand, sit. Um, But again, there's intentionality and purpose behind why we do these things. And Mele, if you um, don't know, she's an English professor at the uh, U of A, and she's a poet and has um, written and spoken some uh, great, beautiful poetry here. So um, uh, we we love hearing from her and uh, especially as it is to get us prepared to enter into our time in God's word um, together. I want to say um, really um, just quickly, I'm not going to have them stand up or anything or call out, but we have some other really good friends here with us this morning, uh, Michael Goheen and Marnie um, Goheen, his wife, and they are a couple that has shaped and influenced us as a church in many, many profound ways you might recognize the name michael goheen because he's probably quoted here more than anyone other than the scriptures other than jesus um Hopefully that's true, if, that it's not more than that. But he is quoted. We've, we've read a lot of quotes and different things. And he's the professor that oversees the uh, seminary program uh, um, I'm in. So if there's any issue you have with that or thanks, you can talk to him. Um, he's influenced a, a lot here of what we do. And, and so it's just so cool, though, that they're here and Jim and Tyler as well. Not to point them out, per se, but even as kind of a bridge in... Um, again, a very culture-shaping reality for us as a church. We'll say we take Jesus seriously, but not ourselves. And, and, and that means that we, we, um, we, we, we move toward one another. And the fact that Tyler and Jim and Mike and M- Marnie drove down here this morning from Tempe in many circles, they would be considered like a big deal, though they would go out of their way to say that's not the case. Um, they, they're it's just been great to have them here to enter in alongside us. And that's not to downplay us in any means, but it just hopefully informs our appreciation for, uh, what God is doing and, and the people we get to do it alongside and, and learn from. Um, And so um, with that now, kind of hard transition, but we're going to get into our time. We've got a lot to cover again this morning. And and so if you will meet me in Acts chapter four, and even some of these things we've already been walking through this morning have really kind of prepared us and set the tone for what we're going to be looking at together. So if you have an app or a Bible um, with you, kind of hard copy version. Go ahead and turn there um, to, again, Acts chapter 4. And um, if you don't have a Bible, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up? Um, I want to make sure you have a Bible that you can read and understand and make your own and look along um, through. Y si uh, quieres la Biblia en español y no tienes, uh, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tienes una Biblia, eso es nuestro regalo a usted. Um, y uh, esta mañana estamos en, en hechos. Um, we're in the book of Acts together. And again, want to make sure that given our context of our community, that everyone can have a Bible, they can read and understand and make their own. Um, and and uh, so do that. So again, keep that. If you don't own a Bible, keep this. Bring it with you. Underline it. Make it your own. Um, This is God's word, and we believe he transforms us and shapes us through it. And um, just a kind of heads up on where we've been and where we're headed to kind of orient ourselves as we get into Acts chapter 4. You can turn to your neighbor and say, welcome to chapter 4. We do that. Just uh, again, we've been walking through consistently um, this entire, this book of Acts. And Acts, if you remember, just kind of audience participation, I need that every once in a while. I'll even ask for some amens and kind of make sure we're all tracking together. So um, um, it, what's the right proper title? It's the Acts of God. Of God. That's right. So we're not going to do Dead Poet Society and have you rip out the heading in your Bible or whatever that likely says the Acts of the Apostles. But um, we, we need to rightly understand that the real story being communicated here, the real message is this. It's that, it's that God is revealing and, and, and um, unfolding his mighty works through the Holy Spirit whom he has sent through Jesus, God the Son, lived crucified, risen from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and then calling a people to faithfully wait on him and respond to him, and then he sends his Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God, to empower, it's a key word, empower his people to carry out the very works of God. Okay, so let's all repeat that after me. No, that, that's a long title, okay, so it's, but it's helpful to just again remember the acts of God, and that's key because as we look at, we'll even see this morning, and as we are our, our first flinch, we're very individualistic, even very narcissistic in our propensity and our nature and so we need to be reminded that as we hear these things, the call and the charge is to, is to respond and to consider our, our, our need for and how we derive everything about our lives, our identity, our purpose from God. Okay, so that's, that's, we, need to, we need to continually communicate that in, into ourselves and not if our eyes roll back as we hear that, maybe that's a good, a good thing because we're hearing it enough. Okay, this is the acts of God. And so what we'll see specifically um, as we walk through this time in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 22 is this. We see that God's power confronts and then God's power emboldens and God's power compels. Okay, so that's to help us get some handlebars for this larger text that we're walking through this morning. Big idea, God, God's power and, and what he's doing in and through his people. Okay, God's power, again, confronts, emboldens, and compels. So with that, let me, let me pray now what has been called the prayer of illumination. That's not just a healthy transition. This is, again, to remind ourselves that as we read God's word, we need the very Holy Spirit that we're talking about and understanding. Um, we need him to to enable us to hear and to respond appropriately to the good news of Jesus. Amen? So let's, let's uh, let us uh, pray together. Um, again, uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for this time um, we have. Now I I pray that as we get into it together that we will, um, Lord, engage, that you will enable us to engage, to open our hearts and our minds and our ears and our eyes to see and respond to the good news of Jesus and the implications, um, Lord, what that means for us as individuals and as a community. Lord, I pray that we would confess where we need to and that we would uh, um, um, uh, uh, respond in, 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 in worship to uh, the good news and the grace, um, again, as you, as you show yourself to us uh, this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Acts chapter four, um, picking up in verse, in verse one uh, together here. And um, as they were speaking to the people, The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So again, just kind of so we understand because it just kind of starts out there. This is really part two of kind of a three-part series, a little mini-series that we're in right now. um, We were in Acts chapter 3 last week where where we saw, um, again, God the Holy Spirit through the apostles heal somebody someone who had been lame, had been unable to walk for his entire life, in front of all these people, he's, he's healed. And then they begin to give an explanation for what that, why that happened and how that happened and how the, the, the resurrection power of Jesus, as we've all already talked about and celebrated this morning, that's what healed this man. And so now, kind of part two, is that these specific, these two apostles... Um, John and Peter, they, they um, come before the, the religious authorities who are demanding an explanation for this. Okay, and it is often the case when God's power is on display, there's a confrontation. Okay, there, there is an attractional element. We've talked about that before. He, he draws people to himself. He reveals himself, and sometimes in seemingly grandiose ways and sometimes in seemingly mundane and normal ways. We, we love to say that life is naturally supernatural. And yet also, there's often a kind of a, a hostile confrontation with us individually, as well as with any one or group of people in authority where there's power. Okay when, when, when God's power comes, there's a confrontation, and, that, and we see that right here, this confrontation that these religious authorities um, are annoyed. I don't know about you, but I don't like that word annoyed. If it said angry, it would be a little less like troubling to me or less. um, I don't know if that's because I'm the youngest of four children and I was called annoying and I just don't like it. It seems so condescending, right? Annoying, just like ruffle someone's hair and kind of scoot them aside. But they're annoyed they're, they're they're perturbed. They want they they there's a confrontation here because um they have power that they're used to holding on to. Cause because they um the 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 Sadducees were kind of the wealthy um, more uh um more more politically powerful among the Jewish people, and they're used to being the ones that teach. And so they're annoyed because they they like is so often the case when our power apart from the intervention of the good news of jesus apart from apart from him restoring us to how we ought to be we use power for ourselves to build ourselves up to puff ourselves up sadly that even can happen within the context of the church or perhaps you've even experienced that before that and again the explanation of eldership is to see the exact opposite of that that is one does not consider that power and authority is something to be held on to but to be laid down just like Jesus has laid down his life for the good of others, for those whom he loves and is called to himself, that, that we are all called to lay down our power. But, but, but when that's, when that's um, initially, there's a confrontation. I don't like that. I don't want to give up my power, and I, I think that happens in, for all of us in all kinds of contexts: as a parent, as a husband, as an as a as a as an employee, as an employer, as a as a in all these different ways. Right? We there's often a confrontation, and there, that always is the case as God's power descends and infiltrates. There's this confrontation, and so you see that happening. But they're annoyed not just because they're teaching, but specifically they're teaching. Um, uh, they're proclaiming, verse 2, in Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. And the Sadducees don't like that. That they don't like the r- resurrection. This is kind of an old man joke for you, like a dad joke, and I'm a dad and getting to be an old man. I got gray hair um in my beard here. So um some of you see me as an old man, some of you see me as a little annoying um wh- wh- whippersnapper. And um, you know, we're all uh it depends on your perspective. But um I remember what I learned at the U of A, perhaps the only thing, the main thing I learned was um was that the Sadducees are sad, you see, because, some of you have heard that before, because they don't believe in a resurrection. They don't believe in, in the power of God that, that informs and defines all of life and in the whole eternal scope of life. And, and, and they, they don't believe in, 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 in a re- resurrection from the dead and in what will come thereafter. And so again, the very power of God, most clearly displayed through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, Is confrontational, and I think similar to our day, perhaps. And there's this is the beginning of a little bit of persecution. Okay, we're gonna see a lot more picking up down the road, but 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 they start to be upset about this because probably like our day, if you have a really individualistic kind of a safe. Faith that doesn't have a lot of implications into other aspects of life and that, you know, doesn't really inform a whole lot or you kind of keep quiet, then people are usually okay with that. You know, it's like, all right, fine, just keep it to yourself, you know, to each his own, that's what you believe, as long as you're okay, that I don't believe anything, and we don't ever have any kind of confrontation, or any kind of um, even loving and respectful disagreement, then that's fine there, but but that's not the case, because as we'll see, kind of building here, um, that's not the mission of God. If God really is God, if he really is who he says he is, if he created the heavens and earth and then created you and me and us to reflect him in all his glory as image bearers, and then he gave what has been referred to as the creation mandate, he said your work, your life, your play, everything that you do has a purpose to reflect God and his incredible glorious mission, then it can't be contained to just something personal and individual and safe and quiet. And that leads to a confrontation. Again, I believe for us individually, for us communally, and even for the world and specifically for any people in great power and authority. And so they go on and they ask in verse seven, and we, we like to kind of go verse by verse, but there's so much here. We're gonna kind of pick it up in bigger chunks as we go this morning. But we, we see a key verse here in verse seven that they continue to, to kind of press in in this confrontation. And they say, and when they had set them, In the midst, so before them, they inquired, by what power and by what name did you do this? Again, that's by what power and by what name did you heal this this man that was that was lame that couldn't? You know, you guys probably heard right walking and leaping and praising God. Well, I don't know if you I didn't grow up in church, but my wife definitely did, and so you hear these songs, these church camp songs. Well, it's about this guy who gets healed, and right he's he goes from like can't even move to to walking and leaping and praising God, and 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 I love this. Piece picture because as, well, as you see you get little reminders here throughout that this guy is still standing there and I just love that because it's not like he's just he's gone off somewhere and he's doing you know like he's standing there and he has just been healed this miraculous mighty work of God is right there before these people and it's all the more tragic when we get to the very end here when they continue to still um, not surrender and acknowledge and submit to the power of God, these authorities. It's right there before them. But I don't know if this guy is doing this or not, but I like to think he's just, I mean, he's, he's never been able to use his legs before. So while this confrontation is going on and, you know, John and Peter are debating and talking with this these group of religious authorities, I like to think this guy's like flexing or he's like doing burpees or jumping jacks or something. And he's just, because he's like, again, how can you contain this? The power of God has just healed this man. Can you see that incredible picture? And so the Sadducees, again confronted with God's incredible power, are demanding an explanation. And they say, verse 7, by what name or what power did you do this? And then in verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders. If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done by a crippled man, or done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been crippled? Let it, let, let it be known to you and to all, to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. By the name of Jesus, whom you crucified, and God raised from the dead. So this is really important, and so I want to kind of slow down and pause for a minute for us to really press in here. Because again, by what name and what power did you do this? And then Peter stands up, and we'll get into that in a minute, into Peter. But he says, by the name of Jesus and I think in our cultural context we we maybe struggle to understand this or to appreciate what this means I have shared with some of you before I grew up and was baptized in a in a Pentecostal church and and so a lot of times it was kind of treated like the name of Jesus was like abracadabra it was like if you just throw in Jesus or you're saying Jesus's name like the the, the word Jesus then stuff happens and is that what they're asking here well, no, the, the, the picture is so much fuller. The, the, the biblical idea and understanding of name is so much greater, right? And some of, our, some of our cultures and some of our families, right, we'll use it a little bit like, hey, you're, you know, uh, Smith. You're Agophany. You're this. Like, don't disrespect my name. You know, don't, no one, you know, live up to your name. What was that and so much more in their day? In fact, and I don't have time to go into all the implications, but you see this really, really clearly way back in Genesis. Okay, again, okay, the whole story of God looks like this. God, 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 God creates everything, and as the climax of his creation, he creates humanity. And it says in the image of God, he created them, male and female. And, and so that's like God giving his name his reflection of himself, all of his power, his might, that our identity and our purpose and everything about us is directly derived from God. And then when sin enters into the picture, when we all like sheep have gone astray, essentially individually and corporately as humanity, essentially giving God the finger, the middle finger and saying, thanks, but no thanks. I want to do it um, apart from you. I want to establish my own identity, my own purpose, my own life apart from you I don't want I don't want to get who I am from you I don't want you to mess with my relationships with my work with my play with my everything that I do I want to establish me and I want it to be all about me and that sin in a nutshell is not God it's the name of God dismissed and departed from and then the realities of that lived out identity purpose call mission Pleasure, everything derived apart from God. And then you see that most clearly or pr- very clearly in Genesis chapter 11. And you don't have to turn there with me. I'll just kind of again; these are just kind of snapshots. But to help us understand what's going on here in Acts chapter 4. In what is called the Tower of Babel. Um, which is, which I just did a little illustration for you when I stuttered, I was babbling. Um, the Tower of Babel is, is a time, where there's this key where God enters in, God descends and in God incarnates. He comes down to his people and disperses them and confuses their language. Doesn't give them all stutters, but he makes them where they can't understand each other. And we talked about that in Acts chapter two, God restoring this, but here's the deal. Why did God break them up, Okay. Listen to me. Are you are you there with me? He breaks them up because he says, lest they establish a name for themselves apart from me and be and be lost and be without hope. God says they all understand each other they 're in this they 're at this great point of tension where they 're going to establish a name for themselves apart from God once and for all, and so lovingly and yet severely God enters in and disperses the people and breaks them up to save us from establishing a name for ourselves apart from him and so now fast forwarding here to acts and you see this that theme picking up consistently and even in like Philippians chapter 2 that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the bed, from the dead not from the bed we all raised from the bed raised Jesus from the dead the name of Jesus and so when they're saying the name of Jesus it's significant Okay, it is, again, this is all-encompassing. This is all of life here. And so when Peter gives this explanation and says... Let it be known to you and to all of Israel, to all the people that only through the name of Jesus that's the whole picture that's again that is the that is the deity, God the Son eternally existing the, the life coming in the the life of Jesus right we celebrate from at, at Christmas that he came and took on flesh and dwelt among us in grace and truth and then he was crucified and god's power displayed by putting death to death through Jesus dying on the cross and then victoriously raising from the dead and then, and, then, and then again revealing the very power of God that we're talking about here. Jesus Christ, by his name and his resurrection power, this man has been healed and then ascending to heaven and then sending God the Holy Spirit so that that very power of God will now indwell and work in and through his people by that power, by that name alone can salva- salvation be found let it be known and again this salvation is not just one day i'll be forgiven and i'll i won't have to go to hell and i'll get to go to heaven and just kind of be up there floating around in this idea, but no, it's a it's a much fuller, all encompassing picture here of Jesus restoring what has been broken in every way as it ought to be, and salvation. Yes, that is true, but 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 being saved from judgment and also saved into um, all of life now and co- and continuing into all of eternity, where identity and purpose and name and job and work and play. And relationship is all directly derived from from God and from His name. Now, what's going on here too? I want us to notice is 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 no less than absolutely significant. Where Peter is the one who's evangelistically interacting right now with these authorities, and I think I, I've spent some time on this when he says when he says, who you crucified, Jesus, whom you crucified, I, I, I don't think he's just digging in there. I don't think he's like throwing a little verbal jab to try to, you know, put these guys in their place. Um, because these are the very people who tried Jesus and handed him over to the Romans to be crucified. Okay, so that's true. This is the same council Caiaphas, the high priest, and the high priestly family were told there. These are the same ones before whom Jesus stood and who he was tried and then handed over to the Romans. So that's true. But what do we know about Peter? Just a couple months ago, he too participated in the crucifixion of Jesus, right? He He was an onlooker. He was a silent friend of Jesus who denied him three times. So I think there is an evangelistic um, thrust here as Peter is saying, Jesus, whom you crucified, of course he knows and can say, and who I denied. That, that's this Jesus and his name and his power that we're talking about. And it's not only the power to heal here, but as Peter is a direct picture of the power to restore and the power to forgive and that Peter, who had just denied Jesus and was timid and fearful, is now boldly standing before these religious authorities, the very ones who crucified his Savior, his Lord, his friend, Jesus. He's, so he's got to know, yeah, this is, I, this, is, this is scary waters I'm in right now. This is a scary interaction, and yet he's emboldened. God's power confronts, and God's power emboldens and it emboldens Peter here to share this good news, to be evangelistic, to declare the name of Jesus, the, the, the reality, the implications of what he has done, of what Jesus crucified and risen from the dead, what that really means. He says, hey, let you know, all of you and all of Israel. Let it be known that through Jesus and his name alone can this kind of healing, this kind of salvation, this kind of um, boldness happen. Through Jesus and him alone, and so there's an evangelistic nature. And, 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 and again, we're just beginning to enter into the reality of, um, of persecution here. We'll see it pick up a bit next week, and then it'll really pick up in chapter 5. And as we continue on, and we'll see persecution. And, and um, we'll, we'll spend some time really talking about that. And, and yet, what I think we need to talk about right now, today... Okay, I know we all experience different forms of persecution in different ways and you know it looks very differently for all of us. I know it looks very differently for us here in Tucson, Arizona in 2017 than it does in other parts of the world right now. But there's very real, very significant persecution nonetheless. But I think one of the most significant um, elements that we see going on here with Peter that informs and speaks into our lives today Certainly for me personally is that of approval. That's something that keeps us from boldly proclaiming the good news of Jesus on 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 display through our lives and certainly proclaimed through our words, through our mouth is this this need for approval. Um I I've shared this before. This is one of my great struggles, and I, I expect probably many of us in here is, you know, I want you to want me and need you to need me and love you to love me and whatever that. Keenie Bopper song is that those words come from. But it's, I mean, I, I resonate with that. Like, And I'll, I'll just share briefly with you guys that I've experienced persecution in a maybe more like what you think of. Um, it's it's, it's kind of funny. I was in another part of the world when I was about 19 or 20 years old and, and one event led to another and we were out and handing out some some things and talking to people about our faith, this faith in Jesus. And just fast forward, this true story, this happened about 10 or 15 or so religious extremists in that particular context were upset with what we were doing and confronted us and tried to like take my books and kind of got, and it lasted about five hours and it literally ended with me and the person I was with running down an alleyway and calling our friends on these like, really ancient like cell phones like think you know say by the bell for the handful of us who remember that like massive cell phones like hey okay meet me and then this van pulls up and the doors open and we dive in and then the doors shut and we you know peel out and then these these guys are like you know shaking their fists and all this and and it's a true story and it and when I even when I it's like all that happened and I even struggle to remember like was it really that big of a deal Were our lives really in danger and maybe and more the the local people that we were working with where it was more for them um, to protect them and stuff. But here's the deal. Um, my conversations with my own dad on the phone or with a coworker or a neighbor for me personally are, are much more difficult like that was kind of easy. I mean, I'm a really, especially then, was a, like a really dumb, arrogant, you know, kind of. Th- I thought myself as like Jesus's version of Jason Bourne, and you know, <laughs> running around alleys. And it was fairly. It was just you know, so I could tell the story, and it's cool, and people lean in. But the the more difficult is to have conversations with someone who might think less of me. And, and, and now don't swing to the other extreme, okay? We don't have to go out of our way to be offensive. We don't have to have bumper stickers that are just instantly make people want to ram into the back of your car and, oh, for the name of Jesus, I'm, I'm mean. You know, that's not at all the case. But we are told that the gospel, the power of Jesus, the very name of Jesus, the, the confronting power of Jesus is, is offensive to all of us. And so to, to share that can be really scary, certainly for me. And so I think you see God's power. He doesn't just say, now go out, go try harder, go be bold. Go. Like, I could have run through alleyways and all that kind of in my own strength. Like, I could have done that. But to, but to be emboldened to share my faith when it's scary and the, the reality of, of someone's approval um, being in question of me, that, that does take power and boldness. And I think similarly for Peter, right? He just denied Jesus months, perhaps months before. And so now here he is, um, you know, boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus. And then down in, um, verse, uh, in verse 13, you see again kind of jumping down, you see more of this, this head-scratching reality here for these religious authorities. They, they read, or we read now in 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter... And John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Again, it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense this kind of boldness. Like they're like, these are uneducated men. I don't know that they were like slack jawed yokel, you know, hillbillies, I don't know, ASU grads. Um, <laughs> I love you, those of you. Hey, we're making up for lost time here with how many Tucson digs we have gotten over our, our days. But, okay, but either way, they're uneducated. They're certainly not as educated as these authorities beho- before whom they're talking. Okay, The people they're interacting with, they're not, and, they're, and they're thinking of power in these lenses that we would normally understand. And they're they're confused. Again, the confronting, emboldening power of God through the Holy Spirit sent by the victoriously risen Jesus. I know that was a lot of hyperbolic adjectives right there. But, like, this is is massive, and it can't be explained just with, oh, yeah, these are smart, influential people. But so often in our church, that's what we look for in our churches, in our culture. We look for, oh, who's the obvious candidate? Well, let me just share with you. God loves revealing his power and might through the, the least of these, through our brokenness even. In fact, this is a fulfillment of what has been prophesied and told, what Jesus himself said. You don't have to turn there, but in Acts chapter 1, the very beginning of this, of this Acts story where Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. Peter, who just denied Jesus You're going to be a witness, a bold, empowered witness here in Jerusalem where they still are at this moment and then in in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And and as we've shared before, just to help us understand that Luke and Acts really go together together Okay, remember that Luke is the gospel, the good news of Jesus according to Luke. It's kind of volume one and it and it lays out the 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 person and work of Jesus and all these things, and then and then Acts, who was also written by Luke, is like volume two, and that's what we're in now, is the continuation of this this incredible good news of Jesus and the power of God on display and at work, and then it and, and was through Jesus and then leading up to his death and his resurrection and then and then flowing now into in and through his people his his church and and so in Luke um, we see this again prophesied that this would be happening and I think I have it here on the screen but in Luke chapter 12 it, it it says and when they bring this is Jesus speaking and when they bring you before the synagogues that's where they are here and the rulers and the authorities do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Remember, a theme here is the, 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 the plans and the work of God that seems really new and that we're prone to be really, really worried about and really anxious about and to see, God, I don't know, this isn't normal. This seems new, what you're doing in my life, individually, in our community, at this time in the history of the church. But God's showing his massive power, that he is indeed the author and the hero of the whole story, that he's at work and he's, he's reminding his people, hey, th- I-, I, will, I will empower you. I will embolden you with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we saw in Luke 12, and then that is now coming to fruition. That is revealed and made alive here in Acts chapter 4. That God will work in and through his people you don't have to defend yourself. Trust the Holy Spirit to work in and through you. And I, I joke about my speech impediment up here and my stutter, and, uh, and this is not at all to make this about me or to keep going back there, but why I, I want to use that as an illustration because my prayer and hope is that it is nothing more than a walking illustration to us of God working through people who really don't deserve to have him working through Okay, don't, like, I get, and this isn't to slap anyone on the hand if you come up and encourage me and say, hey, it's so cool that you do this, but I, please don't see that as abnormal or as me, as like me doing something significant that you should be impressed by and, hey, that's cool that he, no, like, see this as one of my weaknesses that God has chosen to put on display before all of us to show that he loves to use his power to work through people who don't have it in and of themselves. Amen? And, and we all have that, right? Like it's not, it's, and we all have this. We all have these insecurities that would prevent us. Hear me, church. Okay, lean in on this. That would prevent us from living out the, the mandate, the mission of God to be a light to the nations, to be a, a, to be a, a blessing, to be for the good of the, of the world around us, to lay down whatever kind of power we have for the good of others, and, and to, to reflect and to display the very power of God. We have all kinds of reasons to justify that away and to excuse ourselves from that. And and what we should see from this, from God's emboldening power, is that he loves to put himself on display, working in and through his broken people. And that should encourage us. And I pray that it does. And, And then lastly now, as we move into this last section here, you see that God's power compels Okay, in verses um, 14 and, and through 22, there's this whole exchange here where the religious authorities are trying to figure out what to do with this. And, and And they're saying, you know what we'll stop, stop telling about Jesus and you know to John and Peter, just stop it, and they kind of try to intimidate him and they try to you know like flex for him and kind of tell him you know don't don't do it anymore and you see this whole exchange in verse in verse fourteen, it says, But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them again that's just incredible to me he, so they're like all right, this guy's healed, we've seen him there, he's been there since his youth, unable to walk, now he's doing burpees, right, he's all strengthened here somehow, and they're like, what do we do about this? It says, they commanded them to leave to counsel, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? They're scratching their heads, for that a noble sign has been performed to them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name, the name of Jesus, the full story, the full power, the full good news of the person and work and authority of Jesus. And, and so the response of Peter and John is to say, essentially, how can we do anything else? We've seen and experienced this power of God, the good news of Jesus. How can we stay silent? Like, how are we going to do that? We can't. But first, before we really dig in there, let's acknowledge these religious authorities that probably many of us can also relate to. God's power on display. And yet so sadly, so tragically, these people do everything they can to avoid it, to justify it away, to ignore it. Confronted with God's very power that is meant to lead to confession and repentance and worship and restoration and faith has a confrontation that outside of God breaking in, softening our hearts, opening our eyes, leading us to repentance, we're like these religious authorities here. And I know there are stories within our congregation that where a spouse has come to faith in Jesus and is now walking with Jesus and the other spouse is not quite there yet. And, and, and perhaps you're at a point where you look and you say, I see before me, this transformation. I see the very power of God that turned my husband who was arrogant and proud and mean and cruel to now still broken but being restored and forgiven through this, this work of Jesus, this good news of Jesus. But maybe there's some other reason. Maybe it's something else. I see my wife who was this way, who was walking away from God, who lived a, define, a life defined by not God, who chose self over everything else and has now somehow turned around and is living for God's glory and my good and the good of others. That is a miraculous display of the power of God. And I pray that we would be cut to the heart, that our eyes would be open and our hearts would be softened, that you would see and believe. In our time of response that we're about to move into, we... Every week we have this time of responding to to the good news of Jesus, to the gospel. And, and it's an exciting time for me I it's, I don't know what's going to happen and even as I pray sometimes I'm overwhelmed with it as we move into our time of response each week because I know something's going to happen I know that the word of God is sharper than any two edged sword and that the good news of Jesus does not come back void that it's working that, that though the, the flower the, the grass withers and the flower fades the word of our God endures forever and is profitable for teaching and for rebuke and for conviction and for and for every kind of response of of glorious submission to Jesus and so as we uh, I pray for you even right now that as we will respond in a moment that something happens that God is cutting to the heart and is compelling is leading you to no longer feel the need to stand arrogantly and to deny the very work of God but in turn to see and believe and respond and worship and entrust your life to Jesus, who loves you and laid his life down for you. And there's also a compulsion by these. Okay, that that very last part here, it says um, that they, they, they saw that they had been with Jesus. And because the apostles, because Peter and John had seen the very power of Jesus and had experienced the gospel, transforming them, changing them, I don't know everyone's story in here, but I know that God has radically and mightily and powerfully worked among us. And when you have been with Jesus, when you have tasted and seen his good news working in you, then we can do no other than for him to work now through us, for his power to compel us to simply say, as these guys said, as as, um, Peter and John in verse 19, they say, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. When we really come face to face with Jesus, we can do no other and simply share what we have seen and heard and experienced. So now as we do respond together, church, I want to ask just a couple questions for us to individually and communally consider. How does the power of the Holy Spirit confront and challenge you? Are you living for another name? Is your obsession with your own name, your own identity, is thats that... Is that hindering you from living for and by the powerful name of Jesus, sharing our faith, what would it look like for us to be emboldened by the very power of God? Like, again, as we respond, as we sing, let's consider this together as we hear one another's voices singing in worship communally and and, and considering our own individual lives. And what would it look like for the very power of God that rose Jesus from the dead to embolden us and compel us to lovingly lay our lives down, to share our faith with others, to to take a risk, to, to say Jesus loves you. God shows his love for you and that while you're yet a sinner, while you're an enemy of God, Jesus died on the cross for you. What would it look like to be so emboldened that we don't have to grasp whatever kind of power we have, but we can now, like Jesus, lay it down for the good of others? And then lastly, is it evident that we have been with Jesus? Again, they said it's so clear that these people have been with Jesus, that this power, these uneducated people, these broken and weak people, have have a have a, a life a power that demands an explanation well um ha, have we been with Jesus spending time with him our are weekly continuing to come together to be reminded of the gospel to be sent out in the power of the holy spirit in response to the good news of Jesus that 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 is that that is us being with being reminded of communing with Jesus, through our time in his word and our time with one another, what would it look like for us to live all of life for God's glory, the good of our our neighbor, boldly proclaiming through demonstration and through relationship and with our very words, the good news of Jesus and the power of God on display? Isn't that exciting? Let's now consider as we respond and pray that God would continue to form us into his people under the good news, in the name of Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time we've had together to, uh, Lord, to perhaps be convicted and, as well as encouraged and reminded of your mighty power on display through the person and work and life and death and resurrection and ascension and rule and authority of Jesus. We pray that we would... Um, right now respond to him and to his work and to his name and Lord that who we are and what we do our identity and our purpose would be directly derived from who you are and what you've done as now we close and we pray and we respond in the good name of Jesus Amen